0: Here we are, starting a brand new book of the Torah. It's the book of Shemot, which is names in Hebrew. Um, it, if you have the Green Women's Torah Commentary, it begins on page 307. It is Exodus 1-1, with whatever Torah commentary you might have. And it is it is a fundamental shift from the Genesis narrative, which is the beginnings of our You know our people, the beginnings of the world, as we mentioned last week. Genesis starts with the creation of the universe, then the creation of this world, the creation of human beings. Ultimately, the human story, the human story quickly evolves, devolves into the Jewish story, the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel and Leah, our collective ancestors, that led up to last week's grand conclusion of the death of Jacob, our last patriarch, gathering all of his children and the two grandchildren that he adopted around him, giving them his version of a kind of blessings, so to speak, at least last words, and the beginnings of and the creation of, as I would put it, the Jewish people. From the creation of the world to the creation of the Jewish people, and then <clears throat> the rest of the Torah and this book, Exodus, named Exodus for its theme, which is Exodus, <laughs> getting out of Egypt. <clears throat> but Shemot in Hebrew, because as you know, <clears throat> excuse me, as you know, every portion, every book, in Hebrew is named for the first significant word in that. Portion, and the first significant word in this book is Shemot. Ela Shemot B'nai Yisrael. These are the names of the children of Israel, Baim Mitzrayimah, who came to Egypt. Um, and then there's the story and then the listing of their names in the beginning. Um, so, a couple things I want to point out before we jump in. Although, when we jump in, we're going to jump in with the famous. Um, sentence on verse 8 so if you just turn the page if you're in the green book Um, the next page what I'm going to point out for a couple of minutes are two sort of themes here the theme of listening and hearing and the theme of knowing knowing and how do you know how do you know someone what does it mean to say you know someone what does it mean to uh, to not know somebody What are the implications? And how do we get to know somebody? How do we know the people that we know? What is it that uh, tells us who they are? And that's linked to last week's Torah portion, in my mind, because that's linked to the idea of legacy. So, for you. And there's books over here. So... So I'll just ask you, how do do you know? If you say, oh, I know that person. Or if you say, I don't know that person. What what does that mean? Where does that come from? Yeah. I think there's a difference between I've met that person,
1: or I know who they are. I know them.
0: I know their soul. I know their character. So knowing them isn't just I've met them. I I can recognize who that person is, you know, Mm -hmm. but... You say you know somebody. The implication is something deeper than that. Yeah.
1: Part of it's intuition. Oh. You have a sense that somebody is. I really
0: know that person. Yeah. Uh,
1: part of it's their actions. Hmm.
0: Yeah. How how are we known? How is. And
1: by what we do and what we say. Most yeah. Of what
0: we do you know. Um, mm. You've heard this before. Every time we do baby namings, we give a baby a new name. One of the little things that rabbis tend to say when they're doing baby namings is Jewish tradition teaches us each of us has at least three names. It's a good midrash from Jewish tradition. The name our parents give us, the name our friends call us, and the name that we earn for ourselves in the world. And and we go on with great eloquence to say, you know, and the most important name is the name that we earn for ourselves in the world, and that our blessing and our prayer for this child as we give him or her this name is that the name that they will create for themselves in the world will be a name that will bring a source of joy and pride to them, their parents, their families, their, the world, you know, etc. That's how we know people, by the name that we create for ourselves. Yeah.
1: If I may Judith. give you just a... You may. Personal example. My parents named me Judith. Yes. Having no idea what it meant. Hmm. In a rural Texas atmosphere, they named me Judith, which means Jewish woman. (laughs) (laughs) And so all those... Name
0: is destiny. (laughs)
1: Yes, it was. And then all the years that I was growing up, I was Judy. Uh Uh-huh. And my father was named Judy. He was Julius, but he, everyone called him Judy. He was six foot six, and no one smiled when they said Judy. He was big Judy, I was little Judy. And then after I left home, Cute. I became Judith. Mm. I wanted my name because of what it meant. <clears throat> so those three stages passed through my life. And I'm so happy my parents named me Judah. There we go. They might have named me Maria, had they known <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right. I was known, hey you. Or Christine. <laughs> I won't even tell you what I was known as when <laughs> I was little. <clears throat> um,
1: names are very significant.
0: Names are powerful. Well, you know, <coughs> many of us have had lots of names in the course of our lives. Reflecting different (coughs) things, good names, bad names, name calling. We're we're currently growing up and living through a a an era of uh, high level name calling. Not to call anyone out, but you all know that. I mean, that's just part of the public dialogue at the moment. Conversation is that somehow it's okay to call people names. You
1: call it low level.
0: Yeah. um, Right and um, and to see what kind of impact that might have on society as a whole or on kids growing up or you know <coughs> oh, running out of chairs um, so I think she sees this there's a chair this is your, oh. it's got your name on it <laughs> maybe um, so we're mostly known by what we do And uh, one of the most powerful emotional needs that people have is to be seen. That is, and to be heard. That is, to feel like they exist. How do kids literally know that they exist? It's by the reactions that they get from other human beings. And the most devastating thing you can do to a child is uh, not hit them, but ignore them. Right? Uh, Or any of us as adults as well. You know, how many relationships break down because you feel like, you know, he's just not listening to me. Or she doesn't hear me. Or, you know, it's like it's the bread and butter of every therapist I think. You know, the whole idea of Listening, being heard, not being heard, being acknowledged, not being acknowledged, and all the things that we do to be acknowledged—putting our names on things and building buildings and doing stuff so someone will notice. You know, here I am, kind of thing. How do you see me? I haven't got my name on a thing over there. Um, you know, and uh, the lengths to which we go to be seen, heard, and known. This portion is constantly someone saw, someone heard, someone didn't hear, someone didn't know, that that ends up directing our destiny as a people, beginning with verse 8 of chapter 1 of the book of Exodus, which is one of the most famous lines in the whole Torah, which is... I, I think it's fine for you to share but just in case which is a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph right mm. a new king arose it becomes a metaphor <laughs> throughout history you know of what happens in the real world do whatever you do, and suddenly, you're the emeritus. No, I didn't mean that. (laughs) You do do whatever you do, and... Right? I I have a men's group. A couple of the people in the room are in it. I have a men sort of in transition group of mostly people around my age or older or slightly younger, people in transition or people who have retired, whatever, and we have meet once a month. And one of the things that pops up often as has in this group of people who have changed the a significant change in their life at significant stages, this stage of their life, is this sense that a new king arose in their life we didn't know them from whatever their work was or whatever their job is. And the the need to create a new Presence and a new identity as a result of that. To be known, what are you going to be known as now when you don't go to the office anymore? The same one with the same people. So who are you now when that's, you know? And those issues of identity and being heard and being seen and being known are huge at every stage of our lives. You know, it's the children growing up and... What we, I think, technically call individuation, <laughs> trying to separate from their f- parents and h- create their own identity, you know, and all the different ways we do that, positive and negative. You know, yeah, he's the troublemaker, or he's the clown, or she's the this, or she's the that, or he's the that, or what are you known by? Don't do that, because then that's what you're going to be known forever by, and today, it's forever, you know? I don't have my, no, I don't have my. Um, phone with me, but just the other day, somebody sent my wife a picture of her they found on the internet from long before I knew her. We've been married 35 years. Whatever. Been together 37 years. It's a big chunk of her life. Things that she had no idea. Where'd this picture come from? She said. I haven't seen this picture in 45 years. Somebody, somewhere on the internet, somebody found because God only knows, and she won't tell me, how things <laughs> end up on the internet. <laughs> you know, all kinds of things. You know, clips of Dee Dee singing somewhere. I mean, something, whatever. At age six. Right? <laughs> things forever. Things forever. You know, we used to talk about when, when I was a kid, you have to be careful because it'll go on your permanent record.
1: record right? <laughs>
0: the (laughs) mythical permanent record that you had to worry about because, you know, someone's going to check it out later, your permanent record. Now it's true. Now there really is a permanent record. Now you really can't escape your past and every dumb thing you might do with somebody going like this and taking a picture of it somewhere, wherever you are. And part of our challenge as educators with kids today is the impossible task, really, Of teaching them that Of teaching them (laughs) That it's like You know 1984 has come And Big Brother is watching Every second all the time And you know And it's going to come back to haunt you And you don't know when Because someone's posting it somewhere And it's there forever So um this issue of not being known, how could, J- how could a new king, what does it mean a new king arose who didn't know Joseph? Like we just, a page before, basically, Joseph was the hero of the country, saved the whole country. How quickly they forget. You know, it's like our reputations are our impact in the world. This is part of Ozymandias. Is that famous, you know, thing? I, you know, what we do comes and goes and crumbles and we're here. And when we're here, the, we're the center of our universe. And to us, we're really important and all that. And, you know, we're like that. We're like a shadow. We're like a breath. We're like a, a passing shadow, says Jewish tradition. Yeah.
2: There's a terrific essayist, Joe Epstein, who writes in the commentary, I remember reading one of his essays, about the stages of one's career, and it goes something like this, who's Steve, where's Steve, we need another Steve, we need a younger Steve,
0: who's Steve? Right. <laughs> Beautiful. That hurt. (laughs) Look how fragile we are. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Exactly. And here it has devastating consequences. Being known, not being known. Remembered, not being remembered. Heard, not being heard. Seen, not being seen. All of a sudden we become a threat because we knew not Joseph. Because that's what happens. A new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph and therefore he said to his people, who are these people? These people are scary. These strangers these others that are suddenly here it's like, we gotta watch out for them. They're gonna become too numerous and then they're gonna take us over. Right? I didn't get a job once because of that but that's a different story. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of a good story. Um (coughs) So let's deal shrewdly with them so that they may not increase. Otherwise, in the event of war, they may join our enemies in fighting against us. Rise from the ground. This whole notion of us and them. Us versus them. Who are we and who are they? And that they're somehow different. And our whole history is based on this perception of us being other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And all of our wanderings and from generation to generation and town to town and country to country <laughs> is shaped by this otherness of us and this struggle back and forth but it's part of the struggle we're having today in America as american jews uh, you know being yes and being no being other and being not other and and the difference between most of our perceptions of ourselves and suddenly other people's perceptions of us what do you mean i'm other Something other about me. You know, I'm a little white boy, grew up in Santa Monica, California, went to public school. You know, how am I other? Oh, yeah, then I remember, let's see, those Christmas pageants all the way through my childhood where I felt uncomfortable because I was singing Christmas carols, and I kept thinking, this is probably not okay. <laughs> but there I was, the little drummer boy, because I play <laughs> drums, so then I was a little, dr- you know, and, oh, I remember there were these moments, of somehow feeling other, yeah.
2: If Joseph <clears throat> is a symbol of the assimilated Jew, Jew yes, which he was, mm. he was dressing Egyptian. whatever. Get,
0: got Egyptian name and everything.
2: Then you <clears throat> can reread the sentence and say the king didn't know assimilated Jews, yep. didn't accept that as a possibility, right? And then the sentences around it say, and therefore, no matter what.
0: You care. can try.
2: You can try, but you still And do. look at
0: how well you can do. And you can rise to the very top. And
2: you can have a lot of babies. And you yeah. can have
0: lots of and you can be surrounding the king. And all, you can be the king's right hand. You can even marry into the king's family. I'm not talking about today. You can even marry into the king's family, but <clears throat> push comes to shove, you get pushed and shoved.
2: So could you say this is the beginning of anti-Semitism?
0: You in could, in
2: a shape that we've known it over the years. You just did say that. Well, you, 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 you just <laughs> described.
0: You that. could say that, and and that's and, and to me could it's say, a <clears throat> kind of it's an archetypal, if it's you will, problem of life and of and of community and what why we have war. <laughs> this is why we have war. <laughs> this is why we have strife, <clears throat> because as soon as we see the other, then all of a sudden there's fear. You know, if you're Ann Williamson, it's life is either about love or fear. Yeah. A Course in Miracles. Life or fear. This is fear. Fear instantly because I'm not you. The not you, you know, and when you don't see yourself reflecting the other person, then all of a sudden you start looking for, we haven't even done anything. It's not that we've done something. Hmm, look, they're too, too much too numerous for us so that they may not increase. Otherwise, they may do this and they might do that and they might do that and they might become a problem so we better oppress them now in advance. Anticipatory oppression, right? Not because we've done anything. It's not like, look what they're doing. They're, that's the suddenly, I see you as different and I'm afraid of you. And yeah. can- I,
1: I just read an, a survey, a current survey of what anti Semites in the United States, what they what's their number one reason for being anti-Semitic? Yeah. And their number one reason is the Jews may take over. And what amazes me is that thousands of years ago the same thing was written.
0: The more things changed, the more they <laughs> stay the same.
1: And how many how many Israelites
2: could there have been? Really? Yeah. Because we just went over the, there's a list here which we didn't read. A book came down. There was 70, 70.
0: 70 came down and it was seventy, right? And then there, you know, they started but to there grow. Were but we had lots of kids at the time, and we ended up allegedly mm-hmm. leaving with six hundred thousand out of our seventy. Yeah. But well, what yeah. seems interesting is that
2: um, the,
1: the king, for some reason, didn't know Joseph, but most everybody else around must have known him, as he was a prominent person in the community.
0: Well, you know, new king, new boss. We don't know how. Well, I hear
2: it. I I was
0: at, uh, this week, I spoke over at the AJU. Did a little thing on my book, which was nice. My brilliant book. (laughs) Here with Mordecai Kaplan. Anyway, um, I had uh, this evening, there were about, you know, 25 or 30 people there. It was very nice. Lovely evening. Uh, Which is why I don't have any books, because I gave them all away. Um, And... um, the woman who had who was in charge of the wizen institute which is you know their mm-hmm. <clears throat> the aju's uh, adult education program which is really they always have a wonderful adult education program who had originally talked to me and made this arrangement and uh, i got i got contacted a couple weeks ago in anticipation of co- going on wednesday night and mm-hmm. it was a new person saying Beth is no longer here you know I'm Caroline Caroline is now here and I'd like to introduce myself and blah 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 and she was the one who was there and so afterwards lovely person I said well, where did Beth go you know and she said who's Beth <laughs> she said well you know we have a new president oh.
1: mm-hmm.
0: because the AJ got a new president great yeah, guy Beth. new president this year and you know what Happens when you get a new CEO, of a new king arose, who,
2: that? who did whatever, <laughs> had
0: to make changes. So this person's moved here, that person's out there, this person's taking a different job. Those ten people, were, I'm showing you how fiscally responsible I am, so I'm cutting ten people out of this, and that's you know, so that's how why Beth isn't there anymore, because a new king arose, and boom, you know, it didn't matter what wasn't that she was incompetent as far as anybody knew uh, cuz I then talked yeah it it seems that this circles back to the first thing you said about no and no um he may have known who george washington's secretary of state was but he didn't know what george washington's secretary of state really did um, <coughs> in this situation maybe he knew the name yeah but, you know didn't have a, a visceral sense of uh, yeah. what he was do- what he did for the country yeah yeah, that's why I said there's different kinds of knowing, you know. Yeah.
2: I've often wondered don't. whether, from the perspective of the Egyptians here, did they look at Jacob and the tribe as monotheists, and that's why they were different? I mean, they, they, there were no such things as Jews. I mean, they, mm. they were just a tribe, weren't they? Yeah,
0: were they, they were a family because they tribe.
2: Prayed differently, or what made them different? They had different Why were they? They, they, were, had different they were
0: shepherds. They were they. They were from Canaan. They were foreigners.
2: But Egypt is just filled
0: with. You think? You know, Egypt was the most cosmopolitan country at the time in the world, right? That's part of the power of the story. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. it, you know, it didn't matter. It didn't matter that Egypt was the center of the universe then and, and commerce and all that. Uh, it, it didn't matter that, that how many Jews were in the administration and close to the president or whoever happened to be at the time or the king or whatever in every country because we've had them in every country. We have this story throughout our, you know, there's a moment when this, this group's expendable because either I'm afraid or I need it for political reasons. You know, so and it, we don't know that the Egyptians were had any feelings at all about the Israelites. All we know is the king had feelings about the Israelites and decided they're a p- potential threat. The king wasn't secure. So the king made them the potential scapegoat of anything that was going on.
1: What was the chance of the white supremacists? Yeah,
0: The Jews will not replace us. Right. Jews will not replace us. Yes, we we do run the country, don't we? <laughs> anyway, yeah.
2: You don't have to go here if you don't want to, what I'm going to ask you. I'm not going
0: there, okay. but yeah, but no.
2: Uh, there was a rabbi in Los Angeles who uh, made some very controversial statements a number of years ago by basically saying, well, of course this didn't happen. Oh, yeah. And we talk about it as if it happened. happened. And so I guess my question is, as we get into this whole story, yes, do you think it happened? Does and it if it didn't happen, does it matter? Right. Stephen Carl Rubin states It's a
0: great <laughs> question. Does it matter that any of this happened? No. So does it? No, Some people it does. <laughs> Some people it doesn't. To me, it doesn't matter at all. To me, this is our narrative. I mean, what's the narrative of the... What's the Jewish story? It matters it, as a lesson. It's like... It, you're back to the question of where did all this come from, right? There's, there's two versions, two kinds of Jews two kinds of anybody's actually it's two versions you're, you're about to get one in this in, uh, in a couple of portions God the supernatural being who created the world literally dictated the Torah to Moses who wrote it all down and handed it brought it down to the people and the people being who they are went <laughs> whatever built a calf and things like that but um, and then we passed it on from generation to generation uh, the beginning of the uh, Perkei Avot, the beginning of the tractate of the mm-hmm. Talmud called Avot says, Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai, mm-hmm. Moses received the Torah from Sinai, he passed it on to the next generation, to Joshua who passed it on to the elders, who passed it on to the rabbis, who passed it on to us, and here we have it We, whoever we are at that particular time a couple thousand years ago, because God literally gave this Torah that's, and therefore we do what we do as Jews we light candles on Friday night. We do this mitzvah. The six hundred and thirteen mitzvah vote because God said so. It's pretty straightforward because God did that. You either are in that camp, or you are in the camp that says, "the This is our sacred text, written by our people. Don't know who exactly wrote this. This is our story, our history, our." Our spiritual history may or may not be grounded in fact. Uh, the chances that all of the qu- people that are quoted in here actually saying those things are about as uh, likely as you going home and quoting me and having it be what I actually said uh, you know or any of those things because we know that th- this is like poetry and metaphor or dreams, as I said a couple of weeks ago, um, poetry and metaphor. Uh, that uh, when, when, I, like, when I say I love you with all my heart People would like to hear that someone loves them with all their heart But if I say I love you with my muscle pumping blood <laughs> Doesn't quite have the same impact uh, But that's what a heart is It's a muscle pumping blood But you know you want me to go I love you with all my heart sweetie And then you go yes that's, not, that's what you want Because you know what it means because it doesn't mean my muscle pumping blood. And that's what these stories are. They are our story, just like every one of us, back to therapists again, every one of us tells our own story about our own lives. And part of what we do when we want to shift our attitude about life is we'll recognize that, oh, I'm telling this story. What if I tell it a different way? How will will that make me feel? I think I'm going to tell this story... a different way. A better way. You know, like... I was in therapy the other week. And, um, as a matter of fact... And I was talking about, you know, my life. And my father died. And this happened. And I went here. Moved, in, moved from, Sac- from Santa Monica Sacramento when I was 16. In the middle of high school. And all this stuff. And every time you tell this story, there's a therefore attached to each one. And therefore, I felt this way. Therefore, I am this way now. Therefore... And I remember going oh, i don 't like that version i 'm going to tell a different version. <laughs> I was born in a family that loved me, my father died, and my sister stepped up and did this that and then. my father my parents, my family, by this, my mother remarried and all of a sudden, I had a whole different story about my life. you know it 's the same life. I decided mm, this story is like i 'm always unhappy about that story. I think i 'll tell a good story, a better story, a happier story because That's who I am. You know what I mean? And this is our collective story. This is how we as a people chose to write our story, which was unusual for sure because how many people write their story and start off by saying, I was a slave. I was a nothing. People oppressed me. I was a piece of dirt. I was like, you know, we did. That's our story. We were slaves. And... We went free. And more than any other mitzvah in here, we're commanded to remember that we were slaves, remember the stranger. And that's our story. That's our narrative, right? We chose that narrative. We could have written it. So whoever wrote the Torah could have written any version of all these stories. These are the stories. And this is it. This is the essence. Today starts the essence of the entire narrative of the Jewish people ever since. That we carry with us in every service, at every celebration, every holiday, some version of that joke that everybody's heard. You know, they tried to kill us, we won, let's eat. You know. That's that's every Jewish holiday and every Jewish story, starting with this. A new king arose who didn't know us, didn't know Joseph, and so and was afraid of us. You know? Why us? Well, you don't get to vote on that. That's the other thing. You learn you don't get to vote on how other people perceive you. Often, no matter what you do, no matter how high you rise, no matter what good works you do, it's not about that. Jews will not replace us. In fact, it's the opposite, as you said. The more successful you are, the scarier you become suddenly. So you know, if we were, if we were all in poverty, everybody'd be happier. Maybe they'd be less. Except us. they accept us. They'd be less anti-Semitism. <laughs> you know. And every time you're successful, oh, ah, yeah, then you whatever you had hand up and somebody had hand up and I was ignoring you, yeah.
1: You asked a while back uh, what the importance of the lines about a new king arose, not Joseph. Yeah. Well, you said it didn't matter, but well, I think it does. This is because. Um, we learned from that, and it, it has happened over and over again, and we're still here, and that's the lesson. Mm. So, It's a good lesson. In case anybody forgot it, we get to hear it again.
0: It's a good lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, one of the things that, that I often have said to people... <coughs> um, Who are concerned about our current um, state of affairs in America?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Try to be say this right. um, Is that I I have the as a rabbi? One of the privileges that I have um, experienced as a rabbi is to be steeped in Jewish history and Jewish tradition, and the blessing of that is. We're old. In fact, one of the reasons that people who convert to Judaism often tell me is attractive about Judaism is it's old. That is, it's been around for thousands of years. Must be something good in here. They said that often that got them looking into it in the first place. Must be something there if it's still around after thousands of years. And so what I often tell people is, as Jews... We have this really, 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 really long history, thousands of years. And, you know, with all the imagery that I said a couple of weeks ago, that uh, the EKG thing of our lives, that this is what life is. As Jews, we've been kicked out of, like, every country in the world, practically, at one point or another, and here we are. We're still here. You know, and the joke is the joke that I told a moment ago, and our holidays are our holidays because that is our collective experience. Not just that we were slaves, but we've been slaved and we've been enslaved, and we've had expulsions, and we've had ho- Holocaust, and we've had and we've had and we've had, you know, Nazis and neo Nazis and white supremacists and whatever they want to call themselves, and in every country and every generation. And in fact, that's part of our liturgy. Says, "Behold, Dor of in every and Passover Agada. In every generation, they rise up against us to destroy us. Literally, it's part of our prayer, the liturgy of the holiday. It's like this is how we see ourselves. In every generation, this is this version of the story. In every generation, they rise up against us, and with a strong. But this is about faith. Chazakah nituya, with a strong hand, and outstretched arm. Somehow God redeems us. That is, we're redeemed. We have redemption. We're still around. That's this story. It's about our relationship with the divine. However you understand it, in this case it's literally God going hearing, which is where I started before. One of our one of, what's one of our primary the primary Jewish mitzvah of life is the Shema. Right? It's like our number one prayer. Listen, hear. Shema Israel. Shema Yisraeli, here, because it's one of the ways that you recognize what's going on, positive and negative in the world, to pay attention. Here we have a story where, in a moment, I'm actually going to turn there, where you know, when Moses encounters the burning bush, which is what's on the, what I picked from my own Torah commentary, that moment, it's God It says, heard the cries of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. Really, where's God been for the last <laughs> two hundred years of slavery or whatever? You know. Oh, suddenly God hears their cries and goes, ugh! and remembers, <laughs> "I made this <laughs> promise to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rachel. <laughs> I better keep my promise."
2: Maybe got a hearing aid. And get him out of there. <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. And by the way, I think I mentioned maybe last week, but. <laughs> Uh, the rabbis in the Midrash say there were four reasons that uh, why the Israelites merited redemption from slavery. Right? There's a couple different versions of these four reasons, but essentially they asked, you know, what did they do, what did we do during our hundreds of years of enslavement, because it's allegedly hundreds of years of enslavement, <clears throat> to merit God waking up and going, oh, God, <laughs> guess I better redeem them, bless you. And the four things have to do with our identity and keeping our identity in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. The first one was they kept their Hebrew names. The power of names, names, and names. That instead, here, What do we learn about Joseph? He instantly got an Egyptian name, and yet the fact that our ancestors kept giving Hebrew names to their children even though they were living in a foreign country... And they weren't called Brad and <laughs> Mary. Mary and Violet yeah. and Maria Joseph. and Christian and all the things. They were called Yaakov and Joseph and whatever. Um, they got they they kept their Hebrew names. And the second one was they didn't inform on each other. I love this thing that this is what the rabbi said in the midrash. The second. Thing that they we did as slaves that merit of redemption was they didn't inform on each other. What do they mean? Oh, here, next thing, the king spoke of Egypt. Spoke. I'm at 15. After we ruthlessly imposed, the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives. One of them was named Shifra, and the other Puah. Because you have to read this. Because of course, Midrash is it's because of the merit of women that we got redeemed in the first place. And here are all these lists of women after woman after woman after woman woman who was responsible for our redemption. Beginning with Shifra and Pua. Saying, when you deliver the Hebrew women, look at the birth jewel. If it's a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, fearing God, didn't listen to the king. Didn't do as the king of Egypt had told them and let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing, letting the boys live? And the midwives say... Not our fault. We're not doing anything. The midwife said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They're vigorous. Before we even get there, before the midwife can even get there, they've already given birth. They're out in the fields dropping babies like flies. <clears throat> and God dwelt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and increased greatly. You know, and God established households for the midwives because they feared God. Right? Then Pharaoh charged all of his people, saying, Every boy that's born you shall throw into the Nile... Let every girl live. Okay, so they gave Hebrew names. They didn't inform on each other, meaning when they had a boy, they didn't tell anybody. They did what they could, like Underground Railroad and all that. They did what they could to protect each other. This is all about, again, community, 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 keeping your sense of community, and not ultimately assimilating and disappearing into that culture and becoming different. And the third thing that the rabbis say in that midrash is that they didn't adopt Egyptian what they called Egyptian immorality, uh, which they didn't explain, but um, had to do with they didn't adopt uh, Egyptian um, uh, cultic sexual practices and things like that of which there were. And the fourth thing was they kept the Hebrew language. Kept the Hebrew language. They kept their own unique people's language. You know, when you say mitzvah, it's not the same as saying, I don't know, a good deed, good. a religious obligation, or whatever you can say in English, it's not mitzvah. It doesn't have the feel, doesn't have the communication of mitzvah. Hebrew language it communicates. The, oh, they're over there. The Torah. There, no, there's a Torah back there. there. The Torah is in Hebrew. Our legacy is in Hebrew. It starts in Hebrew. These words, all the names for God, the names for hearing, the name Shema, Israel, Adonai, Elohim, Adonai, Hebrew. It evokes something. People go and visit around the world, and they show up at some synagogue in Rome or some synagogue in Barcelona, and they hear. Shema Yisrael, and they go, oh, I'm home on some level, if they grew up in any synagogue life anywhere. Reform, conservative, Reconstructionist, Orthodox, doesn't matter. You go somewhere, you hear that, it's different than anything else. Some connection. And because they kept the Hebrew language alive, say the rabbis, all of those things reflected both our otherness, <laughs> Which became a liability and the strength. You know me, I'm always talking about blessings and curses, and you can't tell which is which, and some things are both blessings and curses. Keeping our identity is a blessing and a curse at the same time. It's Jews will not replace us, it's neo Nazis, it's white supremacists, it's whatever, you know, and it, it's kept us alive for all these thousands of years. So, I want you to turn to this uh, chapter three I'm just skipping down to you know the story anyway <laughs> <laughs> Moses sends up you know uh, three the very beginning of three chapter three three fourteen if you're in the green book okay and you know Moses grows up in the palace just like Joseph, just like Joseph's kids, Moses grows up, adopted by the by Pharaoh's daughter, calls him Moshe. <coughs> by the way, Moshe. <laughs> Moshe. Moshe. It's made up of three Hebrew letters. Mem, Shin, Hey. Who is Moshe? Moshe is our redeemer, right? Moshe is the guy. If you reverse them, HaShem. <laughs> the the other way means Hashem, which is one of the names of God. The name. Just saying. Just saying. Just for the fun of it. Very cool. What? It can also be Shema. It can be different word spelling for Shema, but Shema has an ayin in it. But, yeah. Hashem. I love that. Anyway, so, Moses, of course, who, in spite of the fact that, how did he even know who he was? How did you know that he was a Hebrew? He had a witness Well, he, he had a witness that was his mother. mother. Right? She didn't. But you know, when he's when he stops nursing, she takes him into adopts him as Pharaoh's daughter adopts him. And oh, by the way, how did she know? How did he get rescued? <laughs> I know I'm going back, but <laughs> what happened here? Eh the daughter of Pharaoh, I'm back on first chapter, second chapter daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe while her maidens walked on the log, she spied the basket the basket that he was in, that his mother put him in, that his sister Miriam was watching Why? she spied the basket, sent her slave to fetch it, she opened it she saw that it was a child, a boy crying and so the rabbis point out she only was attracted to that basket Because she heard the child crying Yeshema Shema she heard his cry and went, Oh go get that. What is in there? What is that? And that's the hearing or not hearing is our redemption. So anyway, back so Moses said
2: this must be a Hebrew child.
0: And said must be a Hebrew child. How did she know that? Let's see. Oh, Was he circumcised? circumcised? Didn't say, but (laughs) what'd you say? Because he was a basket case. He was a basket case? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Maybe was maybe it was the Brit Mila that she saw. All we know is so so he goes up in the palace, and yet, it says, he went out to see his kinsmen, kinspeople, and he sees and a taskmaster oppressing somebody, and he kills him. You know, and then I know I keep going back, but it's so it's so interesting. Must be look, Moses has grown up. He went out to his kinsfolk, witnessed their labor, saw an Egyptian beating Hebrew. I just went back to verse 11. He turned this way and that, seeing no one about, struck the Egyptian, killed him, hit him in the sand. Then he went out the next day, found two Hebrews fighting. So he said, you know, why do you strike your fellow? And the guy said, look who's talking. (laughs) Basically, who made you chief and ruler over us? Do you mean to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? Moses was frightened. Why? He thought
2: no one saw him.
0: Because the matter is known. A new king arose over in Egypt who knew not Joseph. All of a sudden, he knows Moses.
1: Yeah,
0: everybody knows Moses. Not in a way Moses is happy about. He's like on the internet already. Somebody posted that. <clears throat> it's a permanent his permanent record. He's screwed. So he, you know, when Pharaoh and when Pharaoh learned of the matter, Pharaoh, who's this is his grandson right adopted. His, his adopted grandson just goes to show his adopted grandson when Pharaoh learned of it knew of it
2: the only people who could have told Pharaoh oh was, by the way Hebrews
0: it says "Vaishma Pharaoh et when Pharaoh heard. heard about this he sought to kill Moses just why Moses ran away this story keeps being the same over and over again. All right, anyway. M- Moses becomes, runs away, marries Zipporah, and becomes a shepherd. Now, verse 3, chapter 3. Moses, tending the flock of his father in law Jethro, the priest of Midian, Another one of those famous interfaith marriages. Moses marries the daughter of a Midianite priest, like Joseph married the daughter of an Egyptian priest. We're big on priests' daughters. Um, (laughs) Drove the flock into the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. An angel of Adonai appeared to him in a blazing fire out of a bush. He gazed, and there was a bush all aflame, yet the bush was not consumed. Moses said, This is interesting. Moses said, I must turn aside to look at this marvelous sight, why doesn't the bush burn up? When Adonai saw that he had turned aside to look, that's what I quoted, when Adonai saw that he turned aside to look God called him out of the bush Moses, Moses, and he answered like every good prophet does, he Like every good prophet, he says, here I am I'm showing up. Okay, love this story it's, it's reflected on the ark behind you. It's reflected, which is a reflection of our ark that's in the sanctuary, our poor ark in the sanctuary, um, that is the burning bush, and the, revela- the Torah sort of coming out of the burning bush. It's our symbol, our iconic symbol of revelation, is this burning bush. To me, it's always been one of the most fascinating stories in the old Torah, because here's Moses, because I've always asked myself, how long do you have to look at a bush that's burning some bush before you figure it out it's burning but not being consumed what the (laughs) hell does that even mean like literally how would you know that how do you well he immediately saw that and this is when Adonai saw when does God speak to him God could have, God's God.
2: You know? After Moses engaged.
0: God could talk to whoever God wants to anytime. Talk to Abraham, Isaac, Mo, Jacob, several times, right? Only when Moses demonstrated his own perception. Yeah. I have my notes from last time, sorry, but I had written that this was the
1: original test that God gave Moses, and because Moses. that was God, the original test that, that began the her that's yep. at least how
0: I understood it. A hundred percent it's only when God saw that Moses turned aside look you know think about your own lives and your own relationships and for many of us some of the most important relationships in our lives you know How did we end up with that person or that relationship? What was it that gave us a sense of connection, knowingness that we were willing to spend time with this person, with this person, or whatever? Some just sort of pass in the night. Some suddenly you're drawn to. What is it? And that person has has to be willing to be a hineni in your life and stop too. And go, oh, here. It's the thing that drives me crazy about my wife. Right? I mean here's what drives me crazy about Didi. <laughs> it takes an hour to cross the street with her. <laughs> I, you may notice, go, so nice to see you.
1: <laughs>
0: Didi goes, Okay, so you know, it's like honey, you know. Cause she like is hundred percent present. I'm hardly ever 100% present. She's like right there with everybody. You know, it's drag her away. She's like, lives this hinani life kind of all the time with just the nature of relationships. M- much better, much better than I am. Um, but that it's it's the willingness to show up. It's showing up. I mean, you know, I say that all the time because all of us do. What's what's impactful? When I retired, as a senior, um, and became the emeritus, you know, people I got lots of these wonderful letters from people about whatever things that uh, relationship that I've had over the last well, at the time twenty eight years now thirty three years, um, and really, uh, I don't know if anybody quoted my brilliant sermons and said, "I'll never forget when you said so and so." Some people did. <laughs> And most of the time, those were... I was sure I never said that, but, you (laughs) know... I remember when you said so-and-so, and and I went, okay, uh, as long as it worked. Uh, But most of the time, the things that people said that were were impactful in their life was... And you were there. You know, this happened, and you were there. That happened, and you were there. That happened, and you were there. Someone was sick, whatever. Born, sick, died, (coughs) healthy, married bar mitzvah, whatever, and you were there. It's like showing up. It's about showing up for people. Um, done. Us, you, showing up. that That's what matters. And all of the prophecies of all the prophets and the relationships of those people who made a powerful difference in the life of our people were because, reluctant or not, and the reluctance was part of it, because that's human nature. I mean, here Moses is arguing back and forth, not me, you know, God says, I got a job for you. And Moses says, nah, not really. I don't really want that job. No, you, know, you don't get to vote on it. It's a, your job. You know, I can't, I don't speak well, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, you know, I'll send your brother along with you. But then it's always Moses is saying everything anyway, by the way. You know, it's like, when does Aaron ever talk? It's always Moses talking. But, you know, having his brother there maybe gave him the strength or gave him the confidence or what have you. You know, he wasn't alone. And this whole conversation with, between Moses and God now, which we're not going to get to, but you can read on your own, is about to be, they're not going to listen to me. Why should they listen to me? You know? And God going, well, no, they'll listen to you. They didn't really listen to him for a long time, but Moses going there and then Pharaoh's not going to, why should Pharaoh listen to me? It's all about listening and hearing. Why should Pharaoh listen to me? Well, pick up your staff i 'm going to do little miracles i 'm going to do all this magic stuff we 're going to have you know <coughs> frogs. frogs and blood and boils. snakes and boils and all this stuff don 't worry you know they 'll listen. listen to you ultimately 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 they 'll listen to you but th- that 's the the drama back and forth of you know what do you have to do to be heard? What do you have to do to be seen? what do you have to do to m- to have what you do matter because ultimately those are our underlying themes is how do you act in a way that matters that brings more holiness into the world that you become as Moses is here a a partner with God a partner with the divine And, and the voice of the divine not just Moses but you become God you are God's representative to to the other fake God, which is Pharaoh, because Pharaoh thought he was God, right? That was part of the whole Egyptian mythology and theology is that Pharaoh was God, incarnate. You know, Christianity wasn't the first version of having a human beings be God on earth. It that, that was popular to want to have somebody be God on earth. Well, Moses was our version of God, even though that part of what sets us apart is Moses... Knew he wasn't God, didn't pretend to be God, but was God's spokesperson. How does God work? <clears throat> there may have been all those miraculous things going on, but it was Moses who had to lead everybody out. God didn't appear with a flaming you know, sword and lead the people across the desert for 40 years. Moses had to schlep. You know, I mean, I, you know, I say it all the time for 38 years. These are God's hands. These are God's eyes. These are God's legs. This is how God works by what we do.